This episode of Return to Tradition was brought to you by the Saint Maker Catholic Life Planner Toolkit, a resource using Catholic wisdom and modern science to help you achieve that sanctity God is calling you to. Thousands of Catholics are on the Saint Maker journey, and you can join them with a 90-day risk-free trial offer backed with a 100% refund guarantee. Go to www.thesaintmaker.com forward slash return to tradition to learn more and use promo code return to tradition to save 10%. Cardinal Burke gave an interview to a German news outlet called Dice Tagus Post, and the interview has caused some annoyance among traditional and conservative Catholics because his dis- advice is described by many that he gives in that interview as being vague and, frankly, not real action. And sentiments usually showing that people are, are well past the vague platitude stage of wanting to deal with the present crisis in the church. I know I see it in my comment section on this channel all the time. I'm going to go over that interview today with you, as well as some evidence to back up the claim that we need to do more. And I want to know what you think about the things Burke has to say here. His mission here is to keep people upset with the things Francis and his Bergolian lavender allies are doing to the church, which is laudable mission, given that a few high-profile people have apparently fled the church for orthodoxy. No idea why you do that, though, once you really look at the issues. Though, to be real, that hasn't happened in any real number to be concerned with. But this interview does beg a question. Are any of the other of what I call the better bishops associated with resisting Francis ready to do something more than simply issue a document or say nice-sounding words to the laity? If you're actually concerned about laity leaving the church, it's going to take more than words. Unfortunately, the Dice Tagus post interview is hidden behind a paywall that isn't archivable. I don't know how they pulled that off, but uh, well done, I guess. But I did check the you know various archive sites for it. But LifeSite News, thankfully, ran an article on the interview a few days ago, and it's been causing quite a stir among those of us who read it. The interview begins by Cardinal Raymond Burke encouraging faithful Catholics to remain in the church and in fidelity to Christ that we are to work from within the church for a desperately needed reform of the hierarchy, which, of course, none of us actually disputes that. And we're to do that even if that means openly correcting bishops when they betray the faith. And actually from a cardinal archbishop of the church, that is a strong start. Meaning the work that all of your favorite commentators are doing is at least in the spirit of what he's saying here, and in a general sense has been endorsed by Cardinal Burke, in a general sense, not a particular sense. Let's be clear here. From the article, quote, Catholics must bear witness to the truth of the faith, Burke said, addressing the distress of Orthodox Catholics at the agenda of pro-synodal bishops, such as those of Germany and Ireland, who are aggressively pushing for, quote, another church and another faith, Burke tried to bolster the laity in their witness to Christ, saying, quoting him directly, in the tradition of the church, a synod is a way to find out how to defend and promote the Catholic faith, not to create another church and another faith. I think these good Catholics, as painful as it is, must remain in their communities and fight for the truth of the faith. If everyone leaves, he continued, the church would otherwise fall into the hands of those who destroy the Catholic faith and its practice. It is important that the faithful do not leave the church, because Christ promised us always to remain with us in the church. We thus remain with Christ. 
even if we have to speak very openly with our own bishops when they propose something that does not correspond to the Catholic faith. We must return to the sacred tradition, end quote. In regards of the synod, I've seen few, if any, Catholics who have the actual faith threatening to leave over the synod of synodality. That's a puzzling thing about this statement. Certainly, leaving is not an option. Most of us know that. Leaving the church founded by Christ, outside of which, dogmatically, there is no salvation, is never an option. But it could very well be that Burke has been seeing movement in that direction that most of the rest of us just aren't really seeing. But his call for us to resist the synod in all its errors is good in a general sense. The problem here is that every synod in the church is looking like this, or at least most of them are. Judging from official synodal reports coming in from every Western country imaginable, including the United States, you know, that country that Francis has a special animosity towards the church in. But Burke continues, Francis has called our resistance to the changes being imposed by him and his allies on the church rigidity, clericalism, neo-pharisaicalism, backwardism, you name it, Francis has had a nasty word to describe what we're doing in resistance to his errors. Burke tells us that we are in the right to resist the bishops who are trying to change the faith. Quote, emphasizing the need to be faithful to the church's apostolic tradition, the cardinal declared. To call fidelity to Catholic doctrine rigidity is simply wrong, Burke reminded the lay faithful, that they have the right and duty to express their concerns about the church to their pastors. He also recalled to bishops their duty to uphold the faith, which they undertook by oath at their Episcopal consecration. The dynamism of the Catholic faith comes from its continuity, Burke said. Faith is God's work and comes to us through the tradition of the apostles. This is not rigidity, but fidelity to tradition, and bishops are obliged to do so by the oath they took when they were ordained bishops. To call fidelity to Catholic doctrine virginity is simply wrong. The faithful have the right and the duty to express their concerns about the church. Believers should openly exercise this right. It is in canon law. The cardinal doubled down on the need for good Catholics to correct their bishops when they have spoken or acted against the faith, saying, In cases where the faith is betrayed even within the church itself, it is even more important for her to insist on Catholic doctrine and practice. They must understand that they are not free to do so. He's talking here about the bishops who seek to change the faith here, that they are not free to do so, but that they are obliged to defend the Catholic faith in these times. Obedience can never command us to do anything that is against faith and good morals. End quote. And that is key there for those of you who wonder, who watch this and, you know, downvote everything about why we are you know, resisting Francis, faith cannot, you know, their obedience cannot require us to submit to evil. And that is what's worth remembering here. I presented to you a talk by Archbishop Lefebvre given in 1980, where he spoke about the need to resist modernist Rome and hold on to the faith, regardless of the personal cost. Burke is actually basically saying the same thing here, even though he would absolutely hate being lumped in with Archbishop Lefebvre, who took concrete action to preserve the faith even if that meant defying a popular pope, who was himself pushing changes on the church in her liturgy and in her ecclesiology and in some rather concrete things as well. But here we see something in this interview. Burke is asked about, well, you know, 
concrete things people can do to, re to resist. What can we actually do that's proactive? Merely telling people to resist isn't enough. Having us merely tell our bishops that they need to preserve the faith and her ancient liturgy, regardless of whatever pack of Papa Francis may want, isn't enough. It's not going to cut it, folks. We need concrete things that can be done. I see this in the comments all the time. You're all absolutely right when you ask. And this is where the interview kind of got some readers mad at Burke, because there just isn't much concrete advice being given to the laity. We see this consistently from the better bishops, actually. Quote, Asked what practical means the faithful might use in defense of the faith, the prelate pointed to the effectiveness of the means of communication, as well as the publication of the great Catholic classics, the writings of the saints, fathers, and the doctors of the church. First of all, Burke said, the faithful need to use the means of communication to spread the message and, for example, to publish the classical expositions of the Catholic faith from the fathers of the church, the great theologians and the reliable authors of the present, insist on talking to the pastor about these issues, end quote. So reading the lives of the saints, their writings, Catholic history, and the handful of good Catholic writers these days and talking to pastors about them is somehow resisting Francis. I'm sorry, but at this point, that's really not going to cut it. We need concrete leadership, concrete action to take. And look, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not convinced that marches are going to accomplish much in this way either. They're certainly a good step, and they have this much going for them. They are at least concrete action to get the intention of bishops who clearly don't like traditional Catholics or who don't have a spine to resist the things going on in Rome and who it can be argued with in a lot of cases don't have the faith despite their having high offices in the church. But we need something concrete. We need something that to do that is real. One step people have been taking is to withhold your donations from the diocese and to only donate to your parish for specific causes that canon law says the bishop can't take from the parish, like building funds and uh, programs to help feed and provide meals for the homeless and those sorts of things. Those are concrete steps people are taking, and it's having a result that is definitely being felt in modernist Rome, judging from this story that a lot of you sent to me. And so we'll go over it briefly here and keep Burke's advice in mind with this. Another co consequence of this collapse is giving to dioceses and even to various programs from Rome, like Peter's Pence, is that reportedly Francis has decreed the bishops must now ask permission to keep the tax they levy on each parish collection and are instead to send most of it to Rome. Think about that for a second. That's a huge deal. And it's a sign that financially speaking, Rome's in a lot of trouble. Every financial action being taken by Francis should be seen in the context of Rome wanting to know where every penny of church money is being spent due to their own staggering debts in the Vatican these days. Which is why this story caused a lot of head scratching when it came out. Headline from Pillar Catholic. Why Pope Francis's Vatican bank order is a big deal. About a week or more ago, news broke that Francis has ordered all Vatican operations to deposit their funds into the Vatican bank by September 30th. People made a big deal out of this because of the date. They wondered if there was something nefarious going on with that date. Here's why that date is actually important, and I stand by this too. For virtually all governments, Vatican City included, the fiscal year ends on September 30th with a new fiscal year starting October 1st. U.S. federal budgets start to take effect on October 1st, for example, of every year. A fiscal year is a budgetary year, 
with new budgets taking effect and new spending programs beginning on that day. September 30th is the day when existing budgets end. Having the money in one place in a time when Francis is, frankly, rightly talking about the need for greater accountability and oversight of Vatican funding being needed makes sense. But there is probably something else going on here as well, as there always is with the Pack of Papa. Francis said that he was doing this in keeping with his recent reform of the Roman Curia that the cardinals were discussing in the consistory. But the evidence shows that that just isn't the case. From the article, quote, but a close read of the short text points to something else. Turns out Francis's order on Tuesday could be one of the more significant financial policy changes of his pontificate. The rescript, or in this case, the edit of the official policy that he issued just a few months ago that the cardinals were just discussing, that Francis is providing a, quote, authentic interpretation of some norms from the Pope's new apostolic constitution governing the Roman Curia, Predicate Evangelium. But the interpretation, quote-unquote, actually changes part of the law completely. Barely five months after Predicate Evangelium itself was issued, the changes appear to strip away a major area of competence from APSA, the Holy See Department, which acts as a sovereign wealth fund, contracting body, and paymaster for the Curia. Francis has spent several years building up APSA as a central investment manager for the Vatican. But Tuesday's reform appears to transform management of all assets and investments, apart from the Holy See's real estate portfolio, which, as an aside, is where the real reform is needed, judging from the London deal a few months ago, transfers it away from APSA and over to the IOR, the Vatican Bank, which isn't even a curial department at all, strictly speaking. And all of this was done even without a singular mention of APSA in the text of the rescript itself. Francis's change could also have a dramatic impact on financial accountability in the Vatican and bring nearly all curial financial affairs under international oversight. And to accomplish that, the Pope issued a clarification which instructed Vatican authorities to read a law to mean something totally different to what its text actually says. End quote. Ah, uh, yes, the dictator Pope strikes again. The article, the article goes on to posit the idea that the Vatican Bank is now considered the most transparent office in Rome, which is saying something, by the way, because the Vatican Bank has had its whole host of problems for decades, going back to like the 1950s. Look, this move by Francis may be positive, actually, which coming from me sounds odd, given that I'm suspicious of everything Francis does. I said may be positive because I still am suspicious. But there is something else that looms over this, and that is the rehabilitation and restoration of Cardinal that's you to being in good standing with the Vatican while his trial for wrong, financial wrongdoings at the Vatican Bank is continuing to go on. What is this about exactly? It begs a lot of questions, and people are right to be suspicious of this move by Francis until the dust on all of this has settled. And so this begs a few questions for me. Is financial resistance to Francis our best option to doing what Cardinal Burke suggested? a better suggestion than what he suggested. <laughs> what do you think of Burke's actual advice that we should resist Francis and the bad bishops by reading the lives of the saints and the great writings of the church and then talking to our pastors about them? You should be doing those things anyway, but talking to your pastors about them is a form of resistance to Vatican excesses. Surely there has to be more to resisting the errors of these heretics than that, right? I mean, there has to be. Let me know in the comments what you thought of this, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. Share this video on social media if you think that helps as well. And as always, 
pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.